You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is the sermon recording from this week's service. And now, for this week's sermon. As we've just sung, God's purpose shall be revealed. Let us pray. O God of the way, the truth, and the light, as we think about the words of your gospel, help us to see the direction you want us to take and help us to see the sources of support which will give us the courage to follow in this direction, whatever the challenges. Amen. Last weekend, I was away at a family gathering. It was the first birthday of my grandnephew. So the celebrations began with a kids' party in the afternoon and sort of morphed into the adults having a chat over some coffee in the early evening. The fact that we were drinking coffee is not at all relevant to the story, except to keep your attention alert to the prospect that coffee will be featuring later in my talk this evening. Anyway, it was a very good cup of coffee. In fact, it was a lovely day in every way, with only one slightly awkward moment. That moment came out of the blue when someone suddenly raised his voice above above the hubbub to ask, so what's going to happen about Brexit? Well, it might have been a total coincidence, but suddenly one of the younger relations remembered that his car had to be moved to avoid him getting a parking ticket. And suddenly another person got a bit flustered because she thought that she might have left the oven on too high and had to go to the kitchen to check. And suddenly, the parents of the baby noticed the clock and discovered that it's well past the normal time for the baby's bath. So in the middle of all this disruption, the coffee was either swallowed quickly or allowed to get cold. And somehow, the Brexit question was sidestepped. And the conversation never came back to that topic. So after this experience last weekend, I was interested to read this week that the University of Sheffield has been undertaking research into family dynamics in the context of Brexit. And the researchers concluded, and I quote the exact words, contrary to the overriding narrative of divided Britain, people are working hard to avoid divisions within their families over Brexit. Now, I must admit, I haven't read this report in detail. And I'm sure that the academics have written a very professional account of what they discovered. But I would be surprised if they were able to improve on the words attributed to Jesus in this evening's gospel reading. There would be five in one family divided against each other. 
three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So here we have evidence that families maybe haven't changed all that much over the centuries. And over the centuries, just as there have been family rows, there have been family members doing their best to avoid family rows. Blessed are the peacemakers, as Jesus said. And certainly the standard image of a good Christian is someone trying to spread harmony. In society at large, this perception of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, is particularly fostered at Christmas with sentimental pictures of the Holy Family enjoying life somewhere away in a manger. Then in the weeks leading up to Easter, we are treated to twee images of a very passive Jesus sitting on a donkey, which has been abnormally well-groomed and is abnormally well-behaved. Now, a rather different picture is presented in verse 51 of this evening's gospel reading, where St. Luke attributes these words to Jesus. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. This is hardly the message of Christianity, which is usually given prominence in the 21st century. And so it's a challenge for us to try to understand the meaning of these words. I don't pretend that I can provide a perfect interpretation of these words of Jesus, but I will share some comments which you might find helpful in trying to reconcile the apparently irreconcilable messages. As a starting point, I find it helpful to remember that this evening we are looking at six verses, only six verses out of 56 verses in only one chapter out of the whole Gospel of St. Luke. And even within that one chapter, chapter 12, there are some familiar words. Verse 6, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? yet not one of them is forgotten by God. You are worth more than many sparrows. Verse 24 of the same chapter. Consider the ravens. God feeds them, and how much more valuable you are than birds. Verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Lots of positive, encouraging words in the same chapter that we hear the words, do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. And as we are reminded by Martin Luther King, there are many clear exhortations elsewhere in the Gospels for the followers of Christ, not only to become peacemakers, but to bend over backwards to achieve peace. Love your enemies, as we heard earlier this evening. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them who despisefully use you and persecute you. So in other words, today's gospel verse about bringing division sits alongside many gospel verses about bringing peace. There are so many exhortations to peace and promises of peace that it seems to me inconceivable 
that all of these were meant to be undermined by a very few words which look as if they might be saying something else. Therefore, I've come to the conclusion that the message of Jesus remains peace on earth alongside the statement that we heard this evening that he brings division. So to me, it's division and peace rather than division or peace. And I'm going to offer two possible ways to consider this apparent contradiction. So the first possible way of understanding this to me is that verse 51 does announce that the impact of Jesus will be division. But to me, this division is a secondary result of the challenge presented by Jesus rather than the primary purpose of Jesus. Might help to explain this if I contrast the statement I just made with something which would have been familiar to the Jewish listeners. They will have been well aware that the God of the Old Testament sometimes seems to have been so frustrated by his creation that he inflicted division, almost to teach them a lesson. It could be said that such a a God sets out to divide. It's one of his primary purposes. So there are chosen ones and not chosen ones. The concept is of a God who allocates some people to one boss, going to hell, and other people to a different boss, going to heaven, thereby almost actively creating division. In complete contrast is the very different concept of the New Testament, with a God who provides only one boss, which people choose to board or not, thus incidentally enabling division. So this interpretation can present Jesus the peacemaker as compatible with the Jesus who offers his peace to those who welcome it, but does not provide peace of a similar nature to those who positively reject Jesus the peacemaker. Therefore, as a statement of fact, those who don't want to follow the path of peace will inevitably become separated from those who do follow this path. If you don't get on the bus, you are not on the bus. In other words, face facts and smell the coffee. Now, this statement of fact by Jesus is related in today's gospel to another similarly strong encouragement to smell the coffee. Jesus first made it as clear as he could that following him would not be easy. Lots of people would reject his message to the point that some members of a family may decide to become Christians, whereas others would not, resulting in divisions between fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, mothers-in-law and daughters-in-law, and so on, as we heard earlier. Then Jesus underlined this point by telling his disciples that this point would be obvious to them if they gave it even a minute's thought. Instead, he accused them of deliberately closing their eyes to reality. He asked them to remove their blinkers and use their intelligence as they did in every other aspect of their life. Wake up and smell the coffee, he said. Or otherwise, your pretending is being hypocritical. You see the clouds coming and you don't pretend there will be no rain. You see the sun in a clear sky and you don't pretend it's about to rain. 
So Jesus asked, when you see the hostility my message has already provoked, how come you play dumb and pretend that life is not going to be difficult? Do you think that life will be simply peace on earth? Don't be hypocritical, he said. Smell the coffee. So to recap, I've tried to make the case that Jesus, the peacemaker, can result in division when some people decide to follow him, but others decide not to follow him. This division is an inevitable but unintended consequence of the Christian message. If I haven't persuaded you with this interpretation, I have a second idea. My second suggestion is that sometimes division is the inevitable and intended consequence of the Christian message. Certainly not always, but sometimes, as I'll try to explain. When we think of a God of love and peace, are we in danger of thinking of a soggy, sugary concept? We've all heard phrases like tough love, love and hard-won peace, which imply that love and peace are not necessarily soft options for the faint-hearted. There are quite a few instances in the Gospels where the actions of Jesus demonstrated his understanding that some practices of some people had to be challenged strongly when they were obstructing his positive message. Perhaps the most obvious one was when he overturned the tables of the money changers in the temple. But there were other less dramatic challenges, such as when he intervened when a woman was about to be stoned to death, and others when he healed people on the Sabbath. To me, these were not Jesus initiating divisions in society, but challenging divisions which others had constructed. There were all sorts of regulations introduced by the powerful Jewish establishment to control the lives of ordinary people, causing them misery. To bring any sort of meaningful peace to the oppressed, sometimes the appropriate Christian reaction is to challenge the source of the division. So paradoxically, the real peacemaker might look like the troublemaker, might look like the source of the division. In the words of Martin Luther, Luther King, the peacemaker might look like the extremist. As we heard in his letter from Birmingham jail, Martin Luther King asked, was not Amos an extremist for justice? Was not Paul an extremist for the Christian gospel? Was not Martin Luther an extremist? And above all, was not Jesus an extremist for love? Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. So Dr. King concluded that the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Will we be extremists for hate or for love? Will we be extremists for the preservation of injustice or for the extension of justice? With this in mind, perhaps the words from today's gospel reading look a little less strange and even quite appropriate. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. 
bringing peace on earth, bringing peace on earth to an earth riven with divisions can entail challenging the status quo, can entail being dismissed as troublemakers, even extremists. And this is hardly virgin territory for Northern Lights MCC. In our five-year plan for 2019 to 2024, we have agreed, a quote, to live out our bedrock beliefs and mission in a wider setting at a local, regional, national, and international setting. And at the annual congregational meeting, the board was asked to be even more explicit that our church will organize, engage in, and instigate campaigns that promote social justice, human rights, peace issues, and climate justice. In turning this into an action plan for 2019-2020, the board thinks that we need to set up a campaigning team to make a plan with regards to organizing, engaging, and instigating campaigns that promote social justice, human rights, peace issues, and climate justice. So are we in danger of becoming what Martin Luther King described as extremists for love and for the extension of justice, or what Jesus called people who are associated with division? So the Prince of Peace becomes the leader of an army of ordinary people who are seeking peace for all ordinary people, and the creed and the color and the name won't matter. Were we there? So this is quite a challenge for us collectively as Northern Lights MCC. But today's reading reminds us that it is a challenge inherent in the Christian message. As Jesus said, if I may paraphrase him, wake up and smell the coffee. And to use his own words, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. When the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret the present time? So here we have a big challenge for Northern Lights MCC, to wake up and smell the coffee. But it's also a challenge for us as individuals. The church can only act if each one of us as individuals volunteers to join the army of ordinary people. Because we're all busy people. We need to move the car. We need to check on the oven. We need to bathe the baby. But we need to remember that someone posed an irritating and difficult question which we might want to ignore for the sake of a quiet life, but which can't be ignored indefinitely. It's the question asked and answered by Jesus. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. To find out more about what we do, head across to our website, www.northernlightsmcc.org.uk.